God bless you. Hey, it's always good to be in Lancaster. Amen. Took me 10 years to figure out how to say it. Aaron was practicing on the way down, you know, from Lancaster to Lancaster. So, amen. It's good to be here. And uh, it's good to see you all again. Amen. And so, so many faces, of course, that I do recognize and remember. And then there's uh, a few that I don't. uh, So, it would be nice to get to meet you as well. So, uh, we're going to have a good weekend. Let's just determine, all right, to, to do that. This is the one church that takes me about 10 minutes to get used to this. This is my friend here for the night. Amen. Not too many places that I actually have to deal with that, but here we do. So, so uh, you know, we'll, we'll get used to it here in a second. So, um, all these years that I've come, I don't know, Pastor, how many years you've had me, but I mean, let's just say at least a good 15, maybe 20 years, you know, that, that I've, that I've uh, been privileged to come and uh, be a part of your congregation. Uh, you've heard me talk about my wife, but you've never met her. So, this is Erin, and she's uh, here with me. And uh, it's great to have her with me. It's, it's helping me to preach better. Amen. So that's really good. And our ministry time is even better. So she gets to help me. And, and of course, it's always better uh, having her anointing with me as well uh, as we just minister to the people. So we're thrilled about that. And then I don't know if you remember, but I think I've said some things in the past maybe a couple of years, but especially the last time I've been here, but Part of our family then is here in South Carolina with you guys. So uh, I've got two of my daughters and my son-in-law that are here. and We've got a little grandson that's back in the, in the nursery there. And so this is uh, my, my daughter Drew right here and her husband Paul right on the end here. And then my youngest daughter Chloe is right in the middle. And so we're thrilled to have them here with us. They're only an hour away. So uh, We'll be uh, seeing them uh, this next week, spending some time before we head back, of course. Anytime we can get to this part of the country, we're, we're really favorable toward that now, you know. So uh, we make excuses to be here. And so this isn't an excuse by any means. This is a divine appointment, I believe, but we'll take advantage of it. And then uh, just some of the friends from Karis that were with Drew, Paul and Chloe, uh, that were out there, um, and wonderful, wonderful guys. These are the best right here. So this is Jared on the end, and Jack right there. Uh, you can't get any better than them, especially if you want to play spike ball. Those are the guys you want on your team right there. And, and of course, Paul as well. And then if they allowed me to play, I'd be the, the low guy on the totem pole, but we'd still have a great time, and uh, we're looking forward to that. And that's Jack, that's why I was asking, how close are you? Because next week, you know, if there's a good day, we might have to do a little spike ball, you know, after work or something. So anyhow, um, just great to have. I was wondering if someone was blowing the shofar. It kind of sounded a little bit like that. I thought, wow, you guys have progressed. Amen. Amen. You got shofars and all. So, but, but anyhow, uh, it's good to have family. And there may be a couple others that are coming too, just young folks that are on fire for God. You know, I... I, um, it's really interesting, but the day in our, our time is either the young people seemingly have really struggled with a real liberal type of concept of life, you know, uh, or you've got young people just like this that are just a thousand percent for the Lord. And when you are around uh, young people that only see it one way, Jesus is all you need. It'll really, really uh, work on you. For some of us that are older that 
that that's kind of how it used to be for us too. And then slowly things begin to erode a little bit until you begin to include all kinds. It's the same pattern that's been there in the Bible for, for centuries. You know, it is. Children of God, when they walked with God, that's all God, all they needed was God. The amazing things that happened. And then as they began to just bring, you know, the ideas of the world in and began to just kind of mix and mingle, you know, uh, things started going downhill, didn't they? And those are the book of Judges right there. You see the pattern. And that pattern hasn't changed today. I believe there's a revival coming for the church at large. Amen. Not only for young and, and, and new people coming into the church, but especially uh, a lighting of the fire of those of us that are older in years that just need to get back into some of those places of absoluteness where God's all you need and you prove it out to be so. I got a few little weak amens on that, but I'll say it again, where you prove it out to be so. Uh, I don't know if you can see it, but the church has lost its voice. The world will give you all kinds of all kinds of ideas of what they think. And some of them are hand gestures and other of them are just short couple of words to tell you what they think of you if you mention the word Jesus. Years ago, it wasn't like that. Years ago, if you told somebody, you know, that Jesus was your Lord and you just wanted to talk to them about the things of God, even if they didn't want to listen, they'd listen out of respect. Today, there's no respect for that. We've lost our voice. The only way to get that voice back is to prove it. To demonstrate the power of God. To manifest the glory of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Amen. To let Jesus actually be seen and witnessed. Isn't that wonderful that we don't have a story that Jesus rose again, but no one saw Him? Aren't you thankful there were 500 witnesses besides all those that were in His following that saw Him that could testify to the wonderful glory of Christ having arisen from the dead? It's historical, folks. It's not just somebody's wives' tale. I'm telling you, this is a day for the church to rise up and be the church. Never has there been a time like this since I've been alive for the pressure to be on the church, for the church to finally push back. Amen? And really, the pushback is walking in the light as He is in the light. Amen? Darkness is only dark because there's no light. The moment that the light shines up, darkness flees. Aren't you thankful for that? Praise the Lord. Well, God's so good. Amen. We just thank God. Hey, guys. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming. Amen. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. So, let's go into the Word of God here. And I'll have you come on over to... I'm going to have you come over to the book of uh, John. And I'm going to just get myself there. We've been traveling all day. And so... John chapter 5, if you'd come there, we're going to start there. The things that we're going to share tonight, and I'll just share a couple of things about a couple of the products that we have in the back. But the things that we're going to share tonight, this is kind of like me opening my heart and letting you know what I think about constantly. This is, this is where I live and what I'm going to share tonight. Because I believe it's not only for what I'm beginning to see as a renovation of my own spiritual life, but I think it's exactly where the Holy Ghost is leading us. You can judge it. Pastor can judge it. But I really believe it's where the Holy Spirit is leading the church. Uh, well, I won't say what I was going to say. I'll wait, I'll wait and hold that thought. But it's just so important in the day we live to be connected to the Holy Spirit. 
to let God, listen to this, to let God come off the pages. You've got to get Him into your life. He's got to be real right where you walk, right where you go on a daily basis. If it's just Scripture that you speak, but He's not there. That's the wrong type of Christianity. We are privileged tonight to have a Bible. If I was the enemy, I'd get rid of that thing. Now, don't get mad at me because I called it a thing. I'm calling it a thing as though I were the enemy. Alright? But we are, we are honored to have the Bible. But the Bible isn't the end of the story. He is. When we get to heaven, we're not going to meet a big Bible that's going to have a couple of legs and a couple of arms and it's going to have eyes in the middle of it and a nice big smile on it. No, it's not going to be a book. It's going to be a person. Amen? So the very fact that the book has not been snuffed out. It was temporarily for some time, wasn't it? Sure. But thank God we have enough of the Bible to get you to Jesus. And the moment you get to Jesus, that's where life begins. Amen. And for years and years and years, I'm just going to say it as plain as I can, through the Word of Faith movement that started out, I believe, in a really, really good path. Because there were people coming out of the charismatic renewal that were all filled with the Holy Ghost and excited about the new findings of having maybe grown up, say, in some denominational church, not get baptized in the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, there's power, there's glory, there's an anointing. The presence of the Holy Ghost was someone that was real instead of just someone that you glazed over in the denominational church. And there were all kinds of things happening. Well, as people would explain back there, there were things happening that should happen and things happening that shouldn't happen back there. But that'll happen no matter where you go. So now you got a word of faith movement that began to get started. People started learning about faith so that they could begin to walk themselves in the truth of God, not just come to a meeting. And when you start bringing that message out where people are already connected to the Holy Ghost, it works. But give it about 20 years to remove the Holy Ghost from the message and now you just have a message. And people are saying the right things like open sesame, but darn it all, it didn't seem to open. But when the Holy Ghost is involved, it works. Take the Holy Ghost away. Now you have forms. You have religion that denies the power. And we're coming back to the point of bringing God back into the Word of Faith or bringing God back into the wonderful Scriptures, letting Him come off the pages into your life. Thank God He's already in our heart, but into your life on a daily basis. The world will stand up and listen if you can testify to something that God has done for your life. We can't get by any longer with the phrases. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Glory to God. Jesus is wonderful. Isn't He alive? Hallelujah. That sounds great. But the world will just tell you where you can put that. But you share with somebody why He's good. Why He's come alive. Why you praise Him. All of a sudden, that will preach. That'll preach. That's where people start to notice. Because everyone's life is feeling the pressure. You start showing them what it's like to not have a care in the world. That'll preach. Show them what it's like to get a healing. That'll preach. Show them what it's like to have finances double and triple during a pandemic. Now, how in the world does that happen? How does that happen? And yet it's happened. In our ministry, it's happened. You know, Pastor S., how, how have things been You know, since it opened back up as far as meetings? Oh my goodness, I've been traveling for 35 years now as far as solo, just myself. It's been 
because uh, I was always in some other groups or with Rama and traveling, uh, part, of the, part of the singers and band or at prayer and healing school and then traveling. So I've been traveling 35 years, but the, since 19 or 2004. So the last 16 years where that's all I've done, I've traveled more. I've done more meetings since we opened up in June than I have done in the last 16, 20, 35 years that I've been doing this. Been busier now than we've ever been. Having more people call. All of a sudden, more meetings. What people call up and say, "I see you've got a weekend open." I said, "That's for my that's for my sanity." <laughs> well, can't can't you come? No, I can't come. Well, wouldn't you? And then you know, sometimes I give in. Yeah, okay, I will. And one of the nice things now is Aaron's traveling with me because you know anybody in here an empty nester? No one is? Yeah. Oh, good. Thank, thank you. It's nice to see that there are some. Praise the Lord. So we're, we're in, enjoying that. And now she's able to travel with me. And it's so nice. You know, we started our relationship, actually uh, got married. And uh, right away, in fact, in fact, we went on a little honeymoon. And then it was just within minutes, uh, within a couple of weeks, I was on the road for three weeks. And then she started traveling with me. And then uh, that was some of the greatest times that we ever had, traveling with Brother Hagen, singing in the Rain with Singers and Band. And uh, just some wonderful, wonderful times. And so now it's kind of revisiting those times again, being able to travel. So it's been great to have her. But we've been busy. And there's a lot to do in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? amen. Well, I know I'm sharing with you some things, just kind of warming ourselves up for our first night. Uh, this is one of the books we have back there called Where Does God Fit In? Actually, a pretty good book for the time that we're living. It's a story about Gideon. And really, the premise of the story has to do with the fact that the angel of the Lord, which you would say would be Jesus, appeared to Gideon and Gideon didn't know that it was him. In fact, while the angel of the Lord was speaking to Gideon and told Gideon that you're going to, be, you're going to deliver the children of Israel as one man, that you are a mighty man of valor, uh, he began to complain to that person that he saw that was there. He didn't know who he was, so he just called him, uh, called him Sir with a, with a uh, small case S-I-R. And then, uh, then everything changed into Lord with a capital L. In other words, once he saw it was the Lord, all of a sudden he realized, oh my goodness, what have I just said? Because when God spoke to him, he just, he just spoke right back and said, yeah, I don't think God, God's who he says he is. Here we are in trouble. We're being oppressed by the Midianites. Where's all his miracles? Where's the signs and wonders? Well, people are saying stuff like that today, too. What's the possibility? God's staring them right in the face and they're missing them. So that's why we, we said it that way. Where does God fit in? It's a really good book. Another one is uh, Until I Come. Uh, this is about anybody that's serious about doing the works of Jesus. Letting the power of God flow through you. Well, I thought that was just for ministers. <laughs> We're all ministers. Some of us are called into the ministry specifically, but we're all ministers of the wonderful presence and gospel message of the Lord. Amen. And so these thoughts that we have in here are about the mentality of thinking like Jesus. If you can think like him, if you know how he did it, you see it like he sees it, you think like he thinks, you begin to step out and act. Well, the Holy Ghost will work with you just like it does him. He's not giving special preference to Jesus to do manifest the power of God any more than He will with any believer that's out there today. Amen. And it's time that we all 
lay hands on the sick. Amen. I just got a call from from uh, some some pastors. I won't tell you where they are, but they, you know they just they were very candid with me, and they just said, you know, we like you to come up to this part of the country. There's a bunch of small churches up here. We we have all kinds of, of physical and emotional needs that are here. And then they just said, I I know that you minister, you know, in divine healing, and I I have people that I should be laying hands on, but I'm just fearful of laying hands on them. I know I shouldn't be fearful, but I am. And they're the, they're the ministers of the church. Now, I'm not saying that in any condescending way. I'm just saying, you know, there is uh, something to learn that will allow the power of God to flow with you. Amen. Otherwise, you can lay hands on someone's head until you wear the hair right off the top of their head. Still not get anywhere. And then we have some of those flash drives back there that will just help you to uh, separate what is reality. In the day we live, it's really good to know what's of the Spirit and what's not. Amen. It's really good to know where to put your focus, where to put your attention, because there's a lot of fleshly things now that the world and the church has not actually had to deal with in the past that we're dealing with today. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for these people. From this very moment, no sickness or disease will dwell in this room, will live. It'll all die from this very second. Now, Father, what I just said, I didn't say because I hope so. I didn't say because I'm dreaming about it. I didn't say because it would be really nice for it to take place. I said it because I know what I'm saying and I know the power of God will manifest in the bodies of these people and kill every disease and drive out every sickness. We are a people that have no fear. We are a people that are greatly confident in You. And Father, I thank You for Your presence that dwells in this place and the anointing that's here. We rely upon the Holy Spirit. We thank You, Lord, that He not only lives within us, but He comes upon us to minister. He is with us, Lord God, to put us over. I thank You that there is no fear in the day that we live, but great boldness and confidence and love in Christ. And so, Father, we give You praise for this evening in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Look over at John 5 and verse 19 and 20, and we're going to look in the Message Bible, and I'll show you just a couple of things here. I want to show you how Jesus lived. Because I believe the more clearly we see how Jesus lived, and I'm going to show you through the Apostle Paul how he validated what I'm saying right here until I believe there's a lifestyle for the believer. Maybe some have stepped into it. I trust that everyone has. I trust that this is just regurgitating something that you're already living. But in case it's not, then I believe this will be something that will help give you a new path, a new perspective. I grew up denominationally. Now, the denominational church I grew up in, they were wonderful. They, they taught me how to lead someone to the Lord. Thank God. Now, in the beginning stages, it was a little bit dramatic. You know, I'd actually, I'd actually have no problem in those younger days as a young man uh, sitting on top of somebody, holding them down, telling them about Jesus. In one case, it was a friend of mine I grew up with and I had him on the ground. I was sitting on his chest. I pinned his arms down and I, I told him about Jesus and he spit on me and cussed me out. And so I didn't really know what to do, so I just beat him until he didn't cuss me out anymore. <laughs> Amen. And once he was good and quiet, because I hit him about four or five times, he was dazed. I said, now repeat after me. Jesus, come into my head. <laughs> Amen. That, I don't recommend that you do that kind of witnessing, alright? The church didn't teach me that. They would be embarrassed too. But they shared some wonderful things with me. We were wonder, a wonderful, uh, lovely people. Uh, we had tremendous lovely, loving hearts and there wasn't a more committed people. In fact, if there's one thing that I can say about that church I grew up in, they were probably more committed than the greatest amount of Pentecostal charismatic word of faith people I've ever seen. Hmm? 
I'm telling you, through the snow, through the rain, almost sounds like Dumbo, you know, in those storks. You know, through the rain, through the snow, they're going to get there. No, through the snow, through the rain, it didn't matter what. We made it to church. There was never an excuse. We were there. And we were, this is upstate New York where you don't have inches of snow, you have feet of snow. And this is back in the day where you don't even have front wheel drive, it's all rear wheel drive. Going up hills, sliding, but making it. And getting to church and having the greatest amount of, the greatest percentage of the people were there. They made it too. People didn't have excuses in that day. There was something about commitment and dedication. Something I remember Brother Hagen said back in 2003 at the Winter Bible Seminar. Right before he went on to be with the Lord, that, that following, following fall, he made the comment. He said, there's something about consecration and dedication that this generation knows little or nothing at all about. But it'll have to come back into the body of Christ. That is an absoluteness to the truth. And you will not move. You will not budge. And you're committed 100%. Can somebody say amen? amen. There were good things that were taught me. At the same time, there was such an over teaching of law and legalism and condemnation, it was amazing. I mean, you'd get hair checks all the time. Huh? Do you know there's a song? It goes like this. If your hair is too long, there's sin in your heart. Get it cut today and make a new start. I think, I think it was somebody made that up here in South Carolina. <laughs> Amen. But I'll tell you what, if they did make it up here, it got all the way up to New York because they used that up there. I mean, it was all legalism. Are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the wrong thing? And you work so hard all the time to do the right thing. On your mind constantly is where you were at, whether you were doing right or whether you were doing wrong. And the more, Romans chapter 8, it says it, the more you think about you, the less you think about Him. And in the Message Bible, it says you ignore Him and God's not pleased with being ignored. To be consumed with self is to ignore spirit. And the self we're talking about is being so self-conscious of trying to do the right thing and trying not to do the wrong thing. That lifestyle will drive you into extra hours of prayer and extra hours of reading, trying to overcome something that you've already overcome in Him. The more you work on something that's already been given you, the more you devalue what's been given you. Come on, let's just be real simple about this. Mama puts food on the plate and you keep on saying, well, if I could just have some food on the plate. Well, it's already on the plate. What are you supposed to do if it's there? Eat it. See, when you look into the Scriptures, I like what E.W. Kenyon said. He said, Jesus encouraged people to believe. The Apostle Paul encouraged people to act. Why? Because in the day of Jesus, people didn't own the blessing. They were promised the blessing. It wasn't theirs. It was only theirs in a promise. So you needed to believe unto the blessing that you needed. But in the New Testament, we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. All that we need has been provided through the finished work of Christ. So what must be done? It's the same thing as saying, I don't have any food on my plate. I have to believe that it's going to, it's going to come on the plate versus New Testament. It's already completely filled. Now just eat. Amen. So there's a difference in the lifestyle of a believer. 
And what I want to share tonight is this wonderful place of freedom and liberty to enjoy the presence of the Holy Ghost. And in the day we live, we need His voice more than ever for things that our country especially has never experienced before. And who says it's going to get better before it possibly even gets worse in our country? Come on, we don't have to go anywhere politically. We just say it like it is. There's a lot of interesting things happening. Who knows what's going on? God does. Who should you be tapped into? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Look right here as we look at Jesus. It says this in the Message Bible. So Jesus explained Himself at length, verse 19. I'm telling you this straight. The Son can't independently do a thing. Only what He sees the Father doing. Now, when He says that, that doesn't mean He can't. I know it says that, but you've got to look at what it actually says. Jesus can do anything He wants to do. But He gave Himself 100% to the Father. That's why it says over in John chapter 6, 63, I came not to do my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. Yeah. So when it says, I cannot do anything of my own, that shows you His dedication and commitment. He already made that commitment before He got to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane where he poured out his soul and said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he followed that up by saying, but not my will, thy will be done. Well, what part of his will was he talking about? That's his flesh. That's the will that every one of us have. The will to be able to choose what is of the Spirit or the will to choose what is of the flesh and of the world. Jesus was tempted to do what? To choose the flesh and the world. But because He already made this kind of consecration, it's better to make the consecration in a time where you're not pressured. So by the time you get into a place where you are pressured, you already know what, what decision you've already made. Amen? I'll say it again. What decision you've already made. You know, it's funny. I don't know. I think I've said some of these things when, when Aaron's been here. But you know, I didn't get a lot of second dates. And I didn't date a lot, but I didn't get a lot of second dates when I was young. You say, how come? Because I, I told I couldn't help them. I, I couldn't stop my mouth from running. You say, well, if I would have just shut up, I'd have got a second and a third date. But I kept telling every one of them about Jesus. I'd preach the whole Roman road to them. I'd tell them about the Lord. I'd tell them they need to receive Jesus. And say, I had a wonderful time tonight. They didn't always reply. And when I called them up to get a second date, I didn't ever get one. If I just could have been quiet, I'd have been just fine. But I had to tell them about Jesus. There's something about this life in Christ that's so amazing. All right, a little bit further it says, What the Father does, the Son does. The Father loves the Son and includes Him in everything He is doing. And He went on to say, But you haven't seen the half of it yet. For in the same way that the Father raises the dead and creates life, so does the Son. Think about that. In the same way the Father raises the dead and creates life, so does the Son. Well, when Jesus is saying that, He's not saying this as the Son of God. He's saying this as the Son of Man. So in the same way that the Father and Jesus raise the dead and create life, so do we. And the next statement is so wonderful. It says, the Son gives life to anyone He what? Come on, think about that. Anyone He what? Chooses. Come on, if you had a special wand and it could get anything your heart desired... A magic wand. 
then it would be up to who you choose to use it toward or for yourself. And it comes down to your choice, your will. Isn't that amazing that the power of God and the life of God to bring change in the earth is actually been given to us to the degree that at our will we can release it. Hallelujah. Now, of course, you can be better at it or not as good at it. That's all about skill. That's why Paul said over there, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, he said, those that are taking just the milk of the Word are unskilled in the Word of righteousness. The Passion Translation said, they've not yet been pierced by the revelation of righteousness. He went on to say, but those who are mature, he said in, in the Passion Translation, he said, they perceive heavenly realities. See, the more real God becomes to you, this is why we're talking about this today. Get God off this page, get Him into your life. Get God off this page, get Him into your pancreas. Get Him into your liver. Get Him into your gallbladder. Get Him into that cancer and, and, and explode it. Cause it, to, cause it to dry up and leave. In Bogota, Colombia, there's a little boy. He's crippled. He's deaf and he's mute. I didn't lay hands on him. We just talked about the power of God and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost that was in the audience, not just on the platform. We talked about it to the degree the people started shouting. They brought that little boy up. He ran all over the, the auditorium and he could listen to every word I said and repeat it. God opened up his ears, opened up his tongue and caused his crippled legs to walk. Just in the last couple of months, we've seen tumors disappear. We've seen all kinds of bones and muscles made perfectly well. There was a lady there that had five bones in her two legs that were broken and they didn't go back together like they should and she couldn't walk at all. She could hardly do anything. And I grabbed her hands and I could just tell God wanted a demonstration. He didn't want me to just grab her hands and say, into your body comes God's power because it did. You're healed now in Jesus' name. In the past, we just say, now go. Just, just keep your switch of faith turned on, brother. Keep your switch of faith turned on, sister. But we wouldn't demonstrate it. It's time for demonstration. I grabbed your hand and everything in me. When as soon as I grabbed your hands with that power is so much greater. What we just got through preaching than those bones. I don't care what they look like, how they're, they've come back together. I said, walk with me. She took a couple of steps and all of a sudden I took off running. She ran with me. God instantaneously made all those bones perfectly well. There wasn't an ounce of pain in her legs. Come on, we've been seeing God do all kinds of wonderful things. He wants to continue to do that, but not just through the ministers, through you. Look at what this says. But you haven't seen the half of it yet. For in the same way the Father raises the dead and creates life, so the Son, the Son gives life to anyone who chooses. Neither He nor the Father shuts anyone out. I like that. Look over at John chapter 12, verse 47 to 50. And I'll just go to verse 50 right now so that we can move on, not be here too, too long. In verse 50, it talks about the things that God said to Jesus. And in the Message Bible, it says it this way. That's all I have to say. What the Father told me is what I tell you. So, right away, let's just establish this. We can see that Jesus was consecrated to His Father in the degree that what He did, He made sure He saw the Father doing it. He had the will of God on His heart for everything He did and for everything He said. 
So you could say it this way, even as we have in Scripture. Hebrews chapter uh, 1, verse 3 tells us this, that he is the divine expression of God in the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 18 tells us that Jesus introduced the Father to us. In what way did he introduce him? Exactly as he portrayed himself, that's what he portrayed the Father as. Insomuch that his disciples would ask questions like, well, if you would just show us the Father, it would be sufficient. And Jesus shot right back and said, well, how long have you been with me, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what do we know about Jesus? What we see him do, what we see him say, how we see him live is exactly how the Father sees life. That's reality. So him walking on the water was heaven's reality. Not earthly impossibilities, but heavenly possibilities. There was nothing too difficult down here on this earth. Everything was made for man. Even the water was made for man. Jesus didn't do any of this because He's the Son of God. He did all of this because He was connected to God. Come on, the days ahead, you may need to walk on water. Aren't you thankful that we've got a script already here that shows us what to do? What are the disciples? How do they react to seeing someone walking on the water? Well, one translation says they thought He was a ghost. And they cried out for fear. What did Jesus have to do? He immediately had to calm their fear by saying, Do not be afraid, it is I. Seems like somebody had dominion while others were looking from a purely earthly point of view about what man can or can't do versus from a heavenly point, which is what God can do, which is all things. Amen. Amen. Come on, I want to establish this because we have bit off on the religious concept of Christianity where it's more about works, it's more about what you do and what you don't do than it is about the enjoyment of the person Of God Himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus died to make a way into the Holy of Holies so that we could actually fellowship at that throne of grace. And that doesn't mean just come there and use God to get you out of your bad choice. Now, let's all thank God for something. I've said this before. It just reminded me that I have said this before here. Grace is so powerful and so wonderful that it's God's ability to move the target. There's some of you right here, you may be straight shooters and you can hit the bullseye, but there's others, you're not so good. You may wind up shooting it over there, but grace is so amazing and so quick and so fast, the moment you let go of that arrow, He moves over there before you even get it out of your head and you hit a bullseye every time. You think you're an amazing shot, But if you could only see how much grace has moved to make you an expert, that's God's grace. Thank God for His grace. But life is so much more than just depending on Jesus to get you out of trouble. The way was made available so you could hang out with God. One translation said about the Holy Ghost that I'm going to send a friend Amen. Let me stop right here and share with you about an individual that uh, this is years ago. And this this individual was a a professor at at a university, had a very full day, very full evening. And the Lord said to him, he's a believer, loved God. The Lord said to him, he heard the Lord's Lord speak to his heart and said, I'd like for you to give me some time. That's just just the two of us. And this is what his reply was. I want to give you as much time as I can, but my schedule is so full, I need to think about this because when I give you my time, it will be my time. I'm not going to say one thing and do another. 
couple of days later, he came back to the Lord and said, Lord, between 12 o'clock at night and 2 o'clock in the morning, he said, I can give you that time every night. And so the first night came and he sat down in a chair and he put another chair opposite his chair. Why did he do that? Because in his heart and mind, Jesus was sitting in that one while he was sitting in this one. After the first couple of nights of being in the presence of the Lord like that, very, very quickly, those two hours became the most precious and desired hours of his day. Week after week, month after month, and all of a sudden, one night, when he sat down at 12 o'clock, getting ready to talk to the Lord, he heard the door open to his house, and he heard um, feet walking on the hardwood floor. And he wondered to himself, who in the world is in my house? And around the corner walked in Jesus. And then took his seat in the chair. He said, I've been in this chair every single night. He said, but I don't have many people that I could call friends like this that spend time with me. He said, I want you to see me because I enjoy so much my time with you. Huh? Think about that. Now, someone else is, you know, studying. And someone else is, you know, doing an extra two hours of praying in other tongues. And I mean, thank God for studying. You can know a lot. Thank God for praying in other tongues. You can get good at it. But if the end result is, in any way, shape, or form, you're just trying to get something that you already have, aren't you devaluing what it is that you actually have? Some of you know my friend Joseph. And he'll, he'll come from Statesville. He's put out a line of, of T-shirts. Now, in fact, I got one, you know, that, uh, a, a little hoodie that I, that I wear. And it says, um, have to, and it's crossed out. It says, get to. And mine is, have to worship. Crossed out, says, get to worship. See, it's not about what you have to do. It's about what you get to do. We get to pray. We get to read about Jesus. We get to hang out with Him. Amen? Don't have to. Why? Because we're already there. The moment you turn it into a works, you lose the joy and the experience of the person. Can you say amen? amen. All right, let's look a little further. You're going to like this right here. John 3, verse 31 and 33. Again, I put this in the Message Bible because of the way that it, it says what it says. It's not any different than the King James in the sense of the meaning. I've got, I say some things like that because I've got certain people that I know that if they, they hear me turn to the Message Bible, they're going to stop me right away and say, that's not, that's not the, the, true, the true gospel. The, the Bible is the King James Version. And I keep telling them, listen to what you just said. It's the King James's Version. <laughs> Amen. So anyhow, it goes on to say, the one who comes from above is head and shoulders over other messengers from God. This is being spoken to you by John the Baptist. It says, the earthbound is earth, the earthborn is earthbound and, the, and speaks earth language. The heavenborn is in a league of his own. So I have to stop right there for just a second and just remind you, this is talking about a, a perspective before Jesus died, went to hell, paid your sin, rose again, went up to the throne on heaven and made it possible for all of us who believe in him to become sons of God just like him. That's why Jesus said earlier in this passage to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus freaked out. Okay, I don't really understand that. So Jesus went on to talk to him about wind and waves and, and about the earthly things to help him to get a concept of heavenly things. 
And Nicodemus said, I still don't get it. And he says, you're a teacher of Israel. In other words, people come and sit at your feet to learn from you. You don't get these things. He said, I've told you through earthly concepts and you don't get it. What if I went right to the point to say, I spend time on the other side. And that's what he said in verse 13. He said, he that hath ascended is also he that hath descended. That is into the, uh, that is the son of man who is in heaven. Notice what he said. He that hath ascended is he that hath first descended. That is the son of man. He's talking about himself on the earth who is in heaven. Like a yo-yo. Come on, up and down, up and down. Which place is he then? You scratch your head. And the answer is both. He walks in an earthly body, but he lives out of heaven. The contact he has with heaven is the reason why everything he does in the earthly body works in a manner that we would say is miraculous. But it's not miraculous to heaven. Just like, like my friend and I, we were praying for a woman. She, she had uh, cancer and got really, really bad to the point where she had to start taking morphine. And when she was on morphine, she started seeing angels. I've actually considered that, you know, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Amen. She was seeing angels. And one night the husband came in and she said, whoa, stop, honey, stop. He said, why am I stopping in my own bedroom? Because you're almost stepping on a large angel that's right there. He said, there's an angel next to me. She said, yes, right there. His head goes right through the ceiling. So he just said, well, if an angel's in here, why don't you ask him, how come you're not healed? She said, oh, okay. And she asked the angel, how come I'm not healed? And the angel said, well, you're already healed. And so she gave that answer to the husband. The husband said, well, then ask him, how come it's taken so long? So she said, how come it's taken so long? And the angel said this. He said, you're making this much too difficult. Healing's very simple. In other words, what's the angel going to say? You know what? You look really bad. You probably only got about 10 days left. I mean, you better really get to praying. No, from his perspective, from a spiritual perspective, what's the angel going to say? But what it looks like from the spiritual perspective. You're already healed. Why would you question to say, why am I not healed? You're already healed. Well, how come it's taking so long? You're making this much too difficult. From his perspective, it's like, get up out of that bed. Be well. No tumor has a hold on you. What if we've allowed this world to make an illusion so strong and so deep within our souls, not our spirit, in our souls, that we buy into stuff without even questioning? And it has nothing to do with God at all. Hmm? And the possibility is the good portion of our life that we live is connected to these illusions. And we wonder why sometimes when we say the words of faith and we do supposedly the job of faith, why something doesn't work? Because we're still holding on to a world that's not even true. Let me share this. It's not political. It's just truth. There are really, really, really bad people in this earth that have given themselves over to Satan called Luciferians. Many of them are people at the top echelon. They don't just have billions. Some of them don't even just have trillions. 
Some have been stealing so much money for so long, they got more than you could ever imagine. And they are manipulating like a puppet master people underneath them. And they are using the media to create a narrative that makes us, all of us in this room, quote unquote, their pawns of whom they give an idea of what life is. And we just follow it like it is what it is. Not knowing that they're inserting all kinds of thoughts through the media constantly. Giving us a false narrative. And we buy into it. And we think that life is what it is and it's not. It's happening constantly. And we're now starting to see it more than ever. The cockroaches have come out of the the dark and we're starting to see things that are taking place. I share this to you because Satan doesn't change whether he manipulates it here on the earth or he manipulates it in your mind so that spiritually the same thing is taking place on the earth. What's the possibility? We've run a path with Jesus and we talk about Jesus. We love Jesus and we read about Jesus. We do our best to pray, especially over, over our food, about Jesus. But we don't have any contact with the real Jesus where He's off the page and into your life telling you things and showing you things. And oh my goodness, Jesus said, if you think you've seen anything, just wait until you see the greater things that He wants to show me yet. Which means the greater things He wants to show you about your life. How quickly we can move and manifest the things of God when we not only take the truth that we know, but then walk with the person that gave us the truth. So slow is the Christian's progress as he takes three or four years to go through 20 classes before he even seems to qualify to get a prayer answer that doesn't work because he's so involved in the prayer, he's causing the prayer not to work. Come on, the more you are involved in self, the more you what? You annul the grace of God. Grace won't work. The Holy Ghost won't work as long as you got your hands on it. People have asked me for years, how come it takes people so long to get their healing? I'll tell them, it's because it takes that long until they let go. The too good to be true life of the believer with the too good to be true good news is hanging out with the Holy Ghost in a place where you're not conscious about the performance of your life at all. That gets changed by Him. If good morals can be corrupted by bad company, then bad morals can be completely changed and altered by His company. While we, the church, have put a burden and a yoke upon the church's neck trying to get them to change. Just change. Just stop that. Well, don't you know they've tried? They can't stop that. It's only God's grace and power that can stop that. So get them connected to Jesus and things start stopping. Keep them connected to their work to find Jesus and they'll keep on doing exactly what they've been doing. I actually envisioned it a little different tonight. I thought we might actually be shouting and, and, and we're, just kind of, we're just kind of docile here, taking it all in. But look at the next part. He says, He sets out the evidence of what He saw and heard in heaven. He did what? 
He sets out the evidence of what he saw and heard in heaven. Now, let let me ask you, for those of you who know Paul's uh, wonderful redemptive message, uh, uh, thank God for the death of Jesus. Thank God for the burial of Jesus. Thank God for the resurrection of Jesus. But people don't talk too much about the ascension of Jesus. He was raised from the dead. Amen. For our justification. Then He went into heaven. He ascended back up to the wonderful place of the throne of God after He presented our, His blood for our remission of sins at that mercy seat. Then He, as the great high priest, He did something no other priest has ever done. No other priest has ever sat down. Check out the articles, the furniture that's in the tabernacle. There's no chairs. Why? Because the job is never done under the old covenant. It's never ratified. It's just covered up. But once for all, the sacrifice from our Lord was to remit and remove as far as the east is from the west all your sin. Not just your sin up to that point. All your sin, past, present, and future to wipe out the whole idea that you should ever be conscious of sin another day in your life. And when He did His job, I'm telling you what, He didn't leave anything undone. He didn't sit down and the Father said, but did you? Oh yeah, I should, I should do that. I should finish that. Come on, have you ever had a to-do list? Huh? And your wife, you know, did you finish that just the other day? She said, would you fix Chloe's curtain rod? Your curtain rod was really messed up. <laughs> She's coming back with us home for a couple of weeks uh, Thursday, next Thursday. And then she asked me just the other day, did you do the curtain rod? And I was sitting down. I was sitting down as someone. You say, well, you, he, he must have done the curtain rod. He's sitting down. She said, did you do the curtain rod? No. I said, I'll do it right now. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. No, that's. Jesus didn't have a moment like that. Now, when He sat down and the Father went over the checklist, it was checked off before He sat down. Everything necessary to raise you up to have the same privilege, the same anointing, the same mind as Christ was placed inside of Jesus when He was in the grave. Before God raised him up, he already thought of you and everything that was necessary to make you just like Christ. When he raised Jesus up, he raised you up. When you accepted and embraced that reality, you became 100% born again of the Spirit. Filled with God's wonderful love. Hallelujah. Thank God for this life we have in Christ. Amen? He sets out the evidence of what He heard and saw in heaven. What does that mean? That you can hear and see from heaven. I don't want this to be me. There may be a long line. Probably not as long as we'd like to think. Because Jesus said, you know, percentages are never on the believer's side. It's a very narrow road with just a few. The road to the unbeliever is a very wide road with many. Take many and a few, and that definitely is different. But the few that are up there, and I'm in that line getting ready to go in to the pearly gates, praise the Lord. Excited about just the entrance, let alone, praise the Lord, seeing Jesus. And one of the big angels stand by there, I just look up and say, hey, 
What does he look like? And he looks down and he says, who, who are you talking about? I said, I don't talk about Jesus. You know what he's going to say? How'd you get here? In other words, heaven expects that you've seen him, that you've sat down with him. Amen. That you've enjoyed company with him, that you walk with him and you talk. Well, that's what the song says. Come on, somebody. I hear the music right now. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there. Now, do you just tarry there with an idea of him, with a figment of your imagination of him? Or are you there with him and you feel him and you see him and you touch him because he's real? That has been taken away from Christianity until he's a concept. He's in this room right now. And what I shared with you about a tumor, about sickness dying in this room, about disease having no right to live in this room. I, I, I'm in my office in prayer school and healing school. And we're just flowing in this constantly. And this young lady, it was Shelly. You remember Shelly? She, she walked into... She, as she was telling me what she was telling me, she started walking into my room. The doctor said, I got three tumors. She started walking toward my room and, 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 and she said, stepped across the threshold of my, my office. She said, the doctor said, there's three tumors uh, inside my uterus. And she stepped into my office, said, whoa, where do you think you're going? She looked at me, she says, uh, why, what, what did I do? I said, well, you walked into my office. She said, yeah. I said, well, make a decision. I said, you walk into my office, those tumors are gone. If you bring those tumors into my office, then get out. I said, I don't have tumors in my office. I said, you make the decision. And she looked at me, with a big eye, she said, you're serious. I said, absolutely serious. Don't come in here unless they'll be gone. Well, she ran over and she jumped right there in the seat. She said, I'm here. I said, okay. And before that, before that little tiny half an hour of a meeting of me sharing some absolutes with her, those tumors had already left her body. She went back to the doctor. They had disappeared. There's a dominion within our soul. Amen. Tell you, Jesus is real. Hallelujah. How real is he? Oh, my goodness. We're just starting to find out. That's the sad part about it. Religion. What did it do? It went ahead and robbed us of the very thing that's necessary to make the whole thing work. It gave us a form of religion serving a concept and an idea of someone that if you'll wait upon him, he becomes real. And the presence of the Holy Ghost becomes tangible. And God's voice becomes literally a voice that you can hear and trust and rely on. And you can feel his presence. You start walking by that voice, walking by that presence. Come on. Or even over in John. Notice what it says. First John chapter five. It says this is the confidence that we have in his word. No, it didn't say his word. This is the confidence that we have in the ten sermons that you listen to. No, it doesn't say that. It says this is the confidence that we have in Him. 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 A person. That's a noun. I actually know what it is. Come on. That's a noun. Person. A place. Or a thing. This is the confidence we have in a person. Woo! Glory. Glory. Well, this, this, this dog will hunt. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Look over at Hebrews chapter 5. I said that for my son-in-law. I figured he'd know what that meant. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I lived in L.A. for about six months and learned all that. That's lower Alabama. Amen. They talked in expressions all the time. I had no idea what the blazes you're saying. I mean, us New Yorkers, we're just, we're just bold right to your face. We just tell you what we think. Down there in the South, they made you feel like you were the most amazing person in the world. And you'd laugh halfway through their conversation, not realizing they were talking about you the whole time. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Okay, listen. Do this for me because we already went to this verse. And I want to get through some of these things in the next 15 minutes. And then we'll be done. Look at John chapter 14. And the Message Bible says, verse 18, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back in just a little while. The world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive. Well, when are we going to see you, Jesus? Notice what it says. And you're about to come alive. That's it. The moment you come alive, you see him. I wish we would have told the people that. I'm a little boy. Just walking, walking to the corner. A quarter mile walk to the corner every day to get the bus. Had, had some time on my little walk to think, to meditate. I'm talking about six, seven, eight, nine years old. And I hear the voice of God constantly every single day. I didn't know it was the voice of God. My Baptist church didn't tell me that was God's voice. But I heard his voice. Well, brother, you heard the voice of God because you were a little kid. No, the reason why I heard the voice of God as a little kid is because as a little kid back in that day, I wasn't, I wasn't attached to other things. It's the attachments that make his voice real or cause his voice to be muffled or snuffed out. The attachments. And when you're young, you don't have many attachments. When you're old enough to have sense and you've lived life trying to have attachments, trying to run after the attachments, you know, the good life, so to speak. Once you get old enough to not care any longer you realize those attachments never really had the, the, the amount of pleasure in them that you thought. And once the value of running after attachments is no longer really uh, appetizing, all of a sudden you'll start hearing God too. You get guys that are in prison, no attachments. See, there are certain people that will, will get this very simply, very easily. But the greatest amount of us have done what? Well, we bought into this whole idea of what the world says is the world. <laughs> Amen? It's this whole picture that's put before us. This is the American dream. The real American dream is found through Jesus Christ. Huh? Because right in the middle of something that don't seem American, don't seem right, doesn't seem even civil. If you have Jesus, you can make, you can make it all the way through. Amen? Come on, look at this for just a moment. He goes on to say, you're about to come alive. And at that moment, everybody say at that moment. At what moment? The moment you come alive. The moment your spirit is made brand new. He didn't say after 20 years of study. He said the moment you come alive. Let me just say something about my grandson. We're excited about having a grandson. Amen. And in June, we, we probably will have a granddaughter. Amen. So thank God there's another one. Amen. That, that's there. So we're... we're, we're, we're this particular part of the family is really busy. Amen. 
<laughs> we got three girls and so when they're all, all in that business, praise the Lord, we're going to have all kinds of grandsons and granddaughters. <laughs> but when little Theo came out, uh, you could look at him and say, he's perfect. How come? What would give you a tip off? He could hear, he could see, he could feel, he could taste, and he could smell. When you came out of the oven in God, in Christ, refathered from above, born again from above, He made you perfect on the inside. He made just men perfect. That means men who were justified, declared righteous. He made you so perfect and so holy that the Holy Ghost, not the dirty ghost, not Casper the friendly ghost, but the Holy Ghost could come and live inside of you. And He could live inside of you if you were still dirty. That doesn't mean every single thing that you've done or said from your flesh is perfect. But I'll tell you what, God solved that problem by making you perfect on the inside. And when you see yourself after the inside, after Christ, and you let Him become real, He'll change that whole idea of the outer man until you don't even desire to do things and have desire for things that you did before. Instead of you working on it extra hard, He didn't save you by grace so that you could work on your salvation by flesh. He saved you by grace so you could experience the grace to perfect that which concerns Him. And you concern Him. So the moment you came alive in Christ, you were a perfect spiritual being. Do you know what that means? That means spiritually you can see perfect. you got 20-10. That means you can hear perfect. You can, you can smell perfect. You can taste perfect. And you, your, your sensories, sensory organs, and your, you can feel perfect. What did Elisha say about that servant when he saw Ahab's army? And the servant came in saying, Oh my God, Master, what are we going to do? First thing he said was, Don't fear. Well, why would he say that? Because Elisha is seeing something that's beyond what that servant saw. And he went on to say, Those that are with us are greater than those that are with them. Well, that servant only saw us and them. But Elisha added two other groups. The devils or demons that are with them are in very short number compared to the angels that are with us. And that's what caused Elisha to no longer be afraid. In other words, when God's on your side, <laughs> come on, we, we ought to get a little happy in this church. Amen. I mean, up to this point, it's just been a little bit better than Methodist. Amen. Come on. And even years ago, the Methodists used to jump and shout, praise the Lord. Come on, when God's on your side. I'm telling you, when God's on... I don't care what it looks like in the world today. The church is still going to prosper. We're going to be who we called to be. It doesn't matter if they try to take the Christian voice away. We're going to stand up and preach on the street corners if we have to and release God's power to set this world free. This isn't about that we're taking a reprieve and giving the devil a chance to, to, to say his stuff and strut his stuff. This is about it's time for the church to rise up. We are the sleeping giant. And the giant is awaking. And the giant is arising. It's our time, praise the Lord, to let Jesus be real. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're a perfect spiritual being, people. Which means you've got perfect spiritual sight. You've got perfect spiritual hearing. This is exactly what Jesus said. Let's finish this thought and then end tonight. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I'm in the Father and you're in me and that I am in you. 
When he said you're going to know that, he didn't mean you're going to be able to write this out on a test or make an essay. That's not how Paul talked. Paul threw away all his notes. Come on, you didn't get that. I'm going to say it again. Paul threw away all of his notes and all of his books. All of his certificates. He threw them on a dung heap. Why? Because he experienced Jesus firsthand and everything else failed in its, in its comparison to Christ. And he realized that with all of his learning, he never had Christ. That's what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, you, you studied, you've been in the Bible, and here I am, the answer to your quest. And you missed me completely. Not only do you miss me, you actually want to destroy me. Put my light out. And yet I'm the one you've studied about your entire life. Am I making a mockery of study? Absolutely not. I'm given the balance and the reason to put Jesus back into your life. Let's not let the last days of our days on this earth be continually this running around like a cat chasing its tail, never getting there, trying to have more religion without God. Let's open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody that's been having problems right here in your abdominal area. Who are you? God wants to heal you tonight. And that'll be the last problem that you've had. Somebody here in the abdominal area. Ma'am, is that you? Hey, Amen. Pastor, come on, Aaron. Come on over here. Let's go ahead and minister. Is that you too? Amen. Hallelujah. Just put your hands on your own belly. Amen. My wife put her hand on your hand. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 In the wonderful name. In the wonderful name of Jesus, this will be the end of it. No more. It's all gone. It's done from this moment. Your abdominal area will be completely purged, clean, whole, healed, and well. And from this moment... There'll be no more pain in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I know this lady right over here. Amen. Are you ready to be free? Hallelujah. Ready to be free. Amen. Stand up for a second. I have my wife put her, put your hands on your own belly. Amen. Put her hand there. And it just, uh, this is me. And it, Jesus' name. That's it right there. You just be set free. Praise the Lord. Didn't take much. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Right back here. Yep. Right on the side. Let's go ahead and pray for her, Pastor Aaron. Glory. Give me that hand first. Father, I thank you in the wonder. Well, amen. Amen. It just went into your arm. Woo. Glory. Hallelujah. Go ahead and move your hand around and try to find the pain you had just a few moments ago. What's going on in that arm? I broke my hand, but I just got the cast off. Yeah. Yeah. How is it? Yeah? But it's healed. <laughs> yeah? Watch, watch. You won't even find any pain after that. We're going to minister this one first, and then we'll get the other, okay? okay? Father, thank you so much. Even the pain. Hallelujah. From those bones having been broken. The cast is off. We, we thank you for all of that. It's very nice to see God. You know, the, the world can make a cast. That's great. But I thank you for what you can do. Get right inside those bones. Just like Elisha's bones were so... Amen, amen. I just had a witness right there while I was talking about that. His bones were so filled with the anointing that his bones touched the dead man and it raised that dead man right up. 
There was so much power in those bones, just like you. If that's a dead prophet and you're a living son of God, any son in the body of Christ, daughter in the body of Christ, is greater than any prophet that there ever was. And God's hand is upon you right now. And in this bone right here, woo! Hallelujah. How's that feel? How's that feel? Doesn't hurt at all, does it? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Well, Jesus is going to heal your side now. Put your hand. Put this healed hand on your side. Aaron, put your hand on it. In the name of the Lord. Ha! 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 Thank you. Sorry, I'm messing your hair up. But ha! Thank you, Lord. Be healed today. This moment. In Jesus' name. And there'll be no more pain. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can test on it. Push on that. Push on that. Push. It's what? Push on that some more. I mean, if you have to, push on that. Amen. Push on that. I know. I know. Come on over here. Sir. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Huh? Go ahead. Just push on that. Don't have to be easy about it. She's completely healed. What about it? If that were me, I'd be laughing. I'm ticklish. You've been, you've been hollering. It hurts so bad. Right? Isn't that awesome? Amen. Thank God it's gone. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Woo! Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pull up shop real, real close right now. I mean, just, just a little bit early than we normally would because i got other stuff to say. We'll talk about it tomorrow to show you some of these things. And, and Paul's, Paul's uh, definition, his explanation of this life that we've been talking about in Christ. Paul talks about it. It's awesome. I'll give you a little, little idea. Over in Romans chapter 8, the message says it this way, but, but the, the King James says, Abba, Father. The message says, what's up? What's next, Daddy? Now, if you get that idea, that's where we're going. The real Christian life is about experiencing Jesus and enjoying His presence to the, to the, to the point that after one exciting testimony, you say, what's next? You get up and say, this is going to be a fun day. Not this is going to be a dead, better day. Come on. The way I grew up was, I got up saying, I'm going to have a better day than I did yesterday. I'm going to not do what I did yesterday, but I'm going to do better things today. See, it was all about me. And the more self is in the way, the more you annul the grace that actually perfects self. God has so perfected you that in your present state, right where you're at, whether you've done something wrong or not, you can hang out with Him every day. You hang out with Jesus, you begin to enjoy the presence of Jesus, and all of a sudden you'll find out the things... Come on, I'm, I'm preaching a song and I hear, I hear the music, but I, I, you know, my family, they're going to laugh if I sing it because they know I've only got two songs that I sing. And this is the second one, you know. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Remember that? Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Come on, that's the whole message. Just that verse. The more you turn your eyes on Him, get your eyes off yourself, He starts to become real. And the things of the earth do what? They begin to fade in comparison. You no longer have the value in your heart that you give them. Because the world has helped us to make earthly things our sole desire. When Jesus becomes your sole desire, it's like turning this whole paradigm and all of a sudden it just fits. It just works. It's like taking a little two-year-old with that little round little ball with all the shapes and you pull it apart and all the shapes fall out. Now you put them back together and you've got to take the right shape and put it into the right shape. And sometimes it's just a necessary little tiny turn and it goes right in. 
the moment he becomes real. Everything we've learned, all these confessions that people have made. It's like this woman. I'll end with this story. I don't think she likes me now. But that's the last thing I care about is whether you like me. I want to tell you something that's going to change your life. And she called up and she said, the tumor has now opened up. I thought I was bleeding internally. The doctor said, no, I'm still okay, but the tumor itself has opened up and began bleeding. They've stopped the bleeding now. She said, I just need help. She said, I'm reading more. I'm praying more and I'm confessing more than I ever have in my life. I just need help. What could you tell me? And I said, stop reading. Stop praying. And for crying out loud, stop confessing. And she said, did I hear you right? And I said, yes, ma'am. Stop reading. Stop praying. And stop confessing. She said, for how long? I said, two weeks at least. Two weeks? What am I going to do? And I said, that's the problem. You've been doing so much, you miss Jesus. I said, for the next two weeks, you're going to get quiet until your heart and your soul open up and you find Him. The moment you find Him, everything you've prayed, everything you've studied, everything you've confessed will finally have what? Power. And you'll be delivered. She didn't like me now. She told my mom, a friend. She said, I can't believe what your son told me. He told me not to read the Word. He told me not to pray. He told me not to confess. What is he trying to tell me? Why did he tell me that? Well, my mom tried to, you know, stand up for me. She said, well, probably because he had a real good reason to. (laughs) It's like he didn't get it. My sons and I, we're now mad. We're not going to support him anymore. It's like, whatever. If Jesus isn't in the mix, it doesn't matter how much you know. Still not going to work. Now, the good thing is tonight, the grace of God is so amazing. Even if you haven't let Jesus in the mix because of what you've heard tonight, instantly he moves the target and your off shot, your shot that's off its mark hits the bullseye tonight. I don't care how many clicks away you are from center. The moment we allow grace by opening up our heart to show us the way, instantly you're right back square. Lift your hands right now. Father, I thank you in this room. There's someone's shoulder in this room that's going to get healed here in just a second. I thank you, Lord, in this room. These people that are listening under the sound of my voice, hearing what you asked me to share. Right now, every one of us, we are at center where the grace of God once again proves to be this amazing factor that always changes every equation, always makes us win. I thank you that we hear you, we see you, we know you, that you are real, and there's no faith adventure we'll ever step into again that won't be perfectly met with a perfect answer. I thank you, Lord God, that when we pray, we receive. When we ask, it is given. I thank you, Lord, when we speak to the mountain, the mountain is removed, and the reason it all works is, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, in you. So, Father, let this be the bedrock of our soul. Let us seek to have a relationship from this moment on where Jesus comes off the page and literally lives through every moment of our life. In your precious name we pray and thank you for it. Amen. Who in here had a problem with your shoulder just before I turn it back over to the pastor? Amen. Yes, sir. What's wrong with your shoulder? 
Huh? You've had problems with that yeah, shoulder? No Amen? Amen? You're either going to hurt worse or it's going to be better. One, one of the two. Amen? I like, I like it either hot or cold. I'm not into this lukewarm stuff. Amen? Are you? No? I didn't think so. Amen? So either that's perfect or it's worse. One of the two. So go use it now. Use both of them. Watch your, your wife there. <laughs> you don't want to backhand her. Hey, man. Huh? More motion? Yeah. All right. What kind of things haven't you been able to do? I've been able to do about everything. But, but it's just it's, been bothering yeah, you, right? You get a certain point. Yeah. yeah. Well, tomorrow, will you look for something to do where you use it and do everything? Yeah. All right. And then come back and report to us, okay? Awesome. Amen. Hey, didn't mean to hit you or anything, but. <laughs> I guess I did. I lied. That wasn't good. Right? Amen. Pastor, if you'd come.